Here we go, another episode of Trash Talk with the main man, Corey, Homicide, Williams, and Mark Worthen, and myself, Felix Von Hoff. Don't forget to include myself on that one. <laughs> we're sitting here as the NBL really starts to heat up, and it's almost become that we're calling every round we get to, oh, this is the biggest round, this is the biggest round. But there is one massive game this weekend, which is going to have a massive impact on the finals and the matchups. But before we get into that, my man Corey's coming in in another fantastic jersey. And a couple of guys around here have said that it's the favorite one that he's worn so far. It's the old school Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to let you take it from here and just explain the uh, the story behind this one. All right, cool. Again, I'm telling you, go up there and say Homicide sent you. I went. Okay. Picked up the old Philly jersey. Beautiful, beautiful. Shout out to basketball jersey world. The reason why I put this jersey on today specifically is because, you know, we're going to get into the podcast of talking about the best little guys ever in the NBL, current and former, or players, the best little guy you ever played against, period. The best little guy to me, current, is Casper Ware. I think if they finish first place, he should be MVP of the league. The best little guy I played against ever, Earl Boykins. Oh, my God. Shout out to Earl, EB. Smallest, fastest, quick. He's like a mosquito for real. I know I say Jerome Randall's like a mosquito. A little ant. But these are superhuman individuals. Earl Boykins, I bullied him on one end. It didn't even matter because he's flying the other side. When I was uh, in training camp for Denver, I hated defending him. See, he was always out of my era. So the only thing I can remember of Earl Boykins, the same as Spud Webb, was playing on NBA 2K, where you'd get him out there and you'd be look like a creator player. Like, they'd be so small. Like, you'd create, like, a seven-foot six dude. And then you just have like Earl Boykins, you'd unlock him on one of the retro teams. Was <laughs> yeah. he really like, like he was what's tough. the like the crazy thing for me is you look at Casper getting in the lane, scoring like up and unders, that sort of stuff. From a guy like me who my ass got blocked every time I went in the fucking paint. Right. How do these dudes finish in there? I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. They have just an unbelievable amount of heart and skill. And they're tough as nails. I mean, Earl weighs about 110 pounds, 120, maybe 130, if that. But he benched max 400 short arms. Yeah, real oh, I strong. hate that. I you know? hate yeah. that. Oh, I hate that. I'm, so you I'm hear a... those stories. Oh, they bench 400 like, dude, their arms are like two inches tall. I'm long. S- I'm sitting here in a skin-tight V-neck, and I get real annoyed when some <laughs> little dude in the gym comes in benching more than me like that. Yeah. Just because of the short arms. But oh, he, and they know it as well. They know it. He was just extremely difficult to defend because, you know, Denver, number one, you're in the altitude, two, you literally would be in practice with like an eight-second shot clock. They just want to get, they want to <laughs> shoot threes and get layups. So he was perfect for that type of offense. Yeah. Well, Tough on that to God. on that topic, we'll jump in and we'll let you start off with this one. Where though, the best small player that you've ever played with. Well, first off, shout out to Earl Boynton because I was thinking along the same lines that he was the toughest person ever to try and guard because I'd played against him as well and back in my college days. And that guy, for his height, was just incredible. And like Corey said, his strength was just at another level for the size that he was. But the best small guy that I ever played with, it was probably going to be Dante Draper. And Dante Draper, I played with him at the Sydney Kings, and then obviously he went on and had a great EuroLeague career. But... Dante Draper was just one of those small guys that could just finish at the rim, had a nice shot. Obviously, he came as a young guy. Uh, one of Carmelo Anthony's really close friends uh, back from the Maryland days. But, man, 
Dante Draper was just a talented, talented player and one of the best, best uh, point guards I ever played with. Well, on that as well, so you, you've got your small players who are pretty unbelievable. Earl Boykins, Dante Draper, Spud Webbs, these sort of guys. What about dudes that just don't look like they belong on a basketball court? Because there is so many of them. And we can't really include the real tall guys. Like, I always look at Tom Jervis and I'm like, wow. Like, that dude just doesn't look like an athlete. But he's also, what is he, like 6'11", 6'10", something like that. So you, you can see why. But what about guys that just don't look like they belong at all? And we'll, we'll start off with this one with you, Corey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Were, though, you got nothing on this. Chris Kamen. Oh. <laughs> with that, the beard, Chris Kamen. <laughs> serial killer, Chris Kamen. Yes. No way in hell did he look like he played basketball. If Chris Kamen had popped up in the Making a Murderer documentary, I would not have been shocked. If he was working at that auto tire yard when that chick went missing, I would not, I would not have turned a blind eye to that. Were they? What about you? Well, I got a couple guys that didn't look like basketball players. You? Brian Scalabrini. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a good one, Brady. though. Good one. The White Mamba. The White Mamba. Matt Bonner. Oh, <laughs> Matt <like>. Bonner. <laughs> good one, though. We're coming to the shooters here. Like he could play, you know? Uh, Mike Dunleavy looked like he was a priest. Yeah. He didn't look like a basketball player. Like, you look like a Catholic priest. Oliver Miller. Ooh. Oliver Who? Miller didn't look Oliver like Oliver Miller. Weighed about 400 Oliver pounds. Oliver Miller did not look like a basketball player. But I'm going to give you one name, and you guys are going to have to Google it. All right? All right you Google. Like, you, get, you get on the Google. Yeah, homicide. This guy, his name is Paul Mokeski. Oh. Paul Mokeski. So M O K E S. K-I. E-S-K-I. Homicide just showed me a picture of Oliver Miller, and wow. (laughs) He used to play for the Knicks, this guy. And I'm I'm sure our wonderful (laughs) man, Ollie, can do a video of all these guys. Bullshit that. Paul McKeskey wins it. Hey, bullshit that dude was in the NBA. That dude was my geology teacher in college. (laughs) That is ridiculous. He's got my number as well, 44. I've seen. I've definitely, definitely seen that dude does that before. Be, does that be uh, Chris Kamen? Homicide. <laughs> now Chris Kamen's got a whole different vibe. That dude's got a school teacher vibe. Chris Kamen's got like a, I wouldn't want to be in a room by myself with him type vibe. Facts. Do you know who the NBL version of Chris Kamen was? Who? Yep, Larry Davison. No, Kingma. 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 Michael Kingma. He used to play for the Kings. Are we talking on the topic of looking like that or not wanting to be in a room by yourself with them? Because there's a few of those dudes. Both. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Kingman... Some, some yeah, serial killer Michael vibes. Kingman was, Ma- Michael Kingman was one of the guys that was actually in the Star Wars movie as a Wookiee. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'll there was what. a couple of guys from the NBL. <laughs> uh, <himself laughs> Let's see this one. Himself, Everybody, Brent make Wheeler. sure if you're at home... Listening to this, make sure you Google these players' names, and especially for my liking, Oliver Jones. That's a big dude. That's a funny-looking dude. We're in the era of no body shaming, though, so I'm going to leave it at that and not touch that with a <laughs> 10-foot pole. But anyway, fantastic <laughs> basketball players, to say the least. They earned a lot of money playing in the NBA. <laughs> okay, let's jump back into a little. So there's a massive, massive game in the context of the finals coming up. The Sydney Kings taking on Melbourne United in Sydney. 
Now, the ramifications of this game, we know how important the positioning is in the top four. You don't want to be playing in Perth. If you're Melbourne, you don't want to be playing in Adelaide. And if you're Melbourne, you don't want to be playing against Brisbane. But that also, <laughs> if you finish first, you're probably playing against Brisbane. That's your bogey team. But you don't want to be going over to the jungle. Now, if Melbourne loses this game to Sydney, they fall to third place and Sydney goes to the top. If Melbourne win, they stay on top. I got Melbourne. Sydney Kings have not beaten Melbourne all year. 0-3. Sydney Kings have given it their best and still have lost. Mentally, you're defeated. You know in your head, I gave gave it my best. I cannot beat this team. Josh Boone hasn't been playing good basketball. Now he is on top of his game. So Sydney may have seen him maybe one time play a good game. Now he's rolling. All right? Mitch McCarron, rolling. DJ Kennedy, absolutely rolling. rolling. So these guys are up and at them. How is Sydney going to beat them? Rurdo, talk I, to me. I just, I just love your contradiction. Josh Boone's only played good against them once, but I had to listen to you all season say that Josh Boone was bogus kryptonite at the start of the season. 100%, so, because defensively, he has not been outplayed by Bogut. Now, offensively, he's balling. So how, how right. if you're going to get offensive output now with him? He's, good. he's playing his best basketball right now. But go ahead. I, I don't agree. mean to cut you I off. I agree. He is, playing, he is playing his best basketball. To me, I don't think it matters to the Kings if they win or not. I think they'll be happy to lose this game for a couple of reasons. A, they've played better on the road than what they have at home this season. So they're happy to get a third or fourth place. I don't think they really care, to be that honest with you. Uh, B, I think they're going to meet Melbourne in the grand final series. I think we we all agree that it was going to be a uh, Sydney-Melbourne grand final. So it doesn't matter that person and it doesn't matter whoever that fourth spot is. Well, I'm going to put my... In all honesty, it doesn't matter. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a second and just think that the NBL's got something cooking up to make sure that one's a Sydney-Perth final if we talk about economics. (laughs) All right, so... Sydney and Melbourne make it to the grand final. Do you know how hard it is to beat a team seven times in one season? Yeah, that, uh, it, that is a good it, point. That is a good point. It is really, really hard. So I think Sydney go into this game. I think Bogut rests a little bit more. I think they use Ray Turner. Like, Ray Turner had a great weekend. He picked up. I thought he was a step slow when he walked into this league, and rightfully so. He hasn't had a preseason. Yeah, like he's jumping straight in with guys that have been playing for a long period of time. They give Ray Turner a little bit more time. They give a little bit of rest to a few other players because ultimately they don't give a fuck if they win this game or not. They're in the finals and they know that they've played better basketball on the road this season. So they'll happily go to Perth and say, all right, let's see what you guys have got for the round one. I think they'll beat Perth. I think, you, I think you still want to go into the finals. If you're going into the finals against Melbourne, you still want that win. So you, as Corey said, you know that you can beat them. And I also don't think it's in Andrew Gaze's DNA to go into a game. Like, that dude is hyper as hell. I don't think it's in his DNA <laughs> to go into a game with, oh, I don't care about the results sort of thing. I get what you're saying, and I agree with it to an extent. I do think that it's almost better off for Sydney to lose this game. But I just don't think it's in Andrew Gaze's DNA. I think he runs the starters out this whole game. You look at it, they were up 20 points in the other game and the starters were still on the floor. Like, Bogut's still running up and down. Where, though? Yes. How many times did Melbourne United beat Adelaide last year? 
Seven. <laughs> seven times. I, I'm done. I, I'm just saying. He okay, just dropped the mic. He's done. There's no mic's dropped. Let me. I, I, I gotta go pick it up. Hold up. <laughs> but but it doesn't matter. Like that happened last year. How many times has it happened before that that a team has been beaten seven times in the season? I mean, we'd have to ask Statman on that. But it's. it's but they hard. also wouldn't have played it's that difficult. many times. Because, yeah, I think the stats would be skewed because they wouldn't have played that many times with the scheduling when we had more teams. But I do agree. Like, if, if we if we got someone who's much better at math than we are to work that out in ratio, I think that no one would have beaten a team that many times in the year that many times. Yeah. That fucking barely no. makes any sense. That many times, that many times. I've said that about four times. And I, I think you talk about Andrew Gaze and how he's hyperactive and it's not in his DNA. Andrew Bogut coaches his team. You realise that. Oh, I think like, there's a little bit. I think that's where the issues have come. I think Andrew's wrestled the reins back of this team, which is interesting because they they went on a losing streak. But <laughs> I, I, I think that he's wrestled it back a bit. If we look at those timeouts, when we get a little bit of access to them, it just doesn't seem, I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes, but we just don't see as much of Bogut jumping in like he was at the start of the year. The start of the year was virtually like he was running the timeout. Now it's a lot more Andrew Gaze orientated. It sounds like a lot more Andrew Gaze pleading that people listen to him <laughs> than an actual timeout. Guys, 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 guys. Like, they're, they're all talking. Guys. They're all talking. Like, I, I get it. He's trying to wrestle the reins back, but he's got a senior group. Like, his core group is a bunch of old heads that know how to play basketball. They can, they can make reads on the fly. They see things on the court that, that need to happen. And so I think come finals time, and we talked about this last week, I think Bogut becomes a lot more post-oriented instead of high, like a passer out of a high post. I think that team is a lot different and they're able to make changes because they've got that vet team. And don't get it twisted, Melbourne United are going to be there too. They've got oh, a vet team as well. Well, I'm a staunch defender of Andrew Gay as a coach, and I think it's pretty tough because he is fairly young in his coaching career. You've got to he remember is, that. He's very young in his coaching career. And to be given a team with that much maturity on and that many sort of – I'm not, I'm saying egos in a good way. Of course. Like Jerome Randall, Andrew Bogart, these guys have just got a wealth of experience in terms of the game and all of the, all in that regard. I always think that Andrew would be much better suited to a young team. You put him out there on a young team because I played for him for eight – like, well, I think it was six years or something like that. And he's inspiring when he's up and about on the sideline. For you as a, as a younger player, that's what you want. Right. And I think it's a little bit annoying when he's like that for guys like Andrew Bogut, Jerome Randall. So I think it's just... But as you, as you learn and as you, as you coach for years, you, you learn that sort of stuff. And Corey's laughing here. I would have just loved to see how you would have reacted to some of that stuff. I'd be like, yo, coach, man, just chill out. We got this. We got this, coach. <laughs> Oh, okay. So that's the, that's, <laughs> we're calling that the biggest game of the round. Sydney versus Melbourne. The ramifications for this one are huge. The awards night is not too far away. And the one thing I'm looking forward to the awards night is just to see what sort of suit Homicide wears because it's good. It, it gets flashier and flashier every year. And I'm, I'm honestly, I think he's going to pull some Lady Gaga shit this year and just come out like a full fucking, I don't know what come it's going to be. Come out of an egg or some shit. Come out of an egg. <laughs> Larry's gonna walk out, lay an egg, and you're just gonna you're just gonna hatch out of it. And that's gonna be the uh, the opening. Incredible! See, incredible! <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most the most NBL slash most see incredible moment of, the of all time. <laughs> you need like someone in a little baby dinosaur oh suit to be God. running around the back. 
I got that. Incredible. But anyway, one one award that will be most interesting on that night is, well, of course, the most interesting is the MVP award. Now, Wertho, I heard you on one of the sports bet commercials mention that Mallow Trimble was still a chance. What's your thoughts on that? Well, not so many people are taking boats of him up here, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think he's, he's in contention. He's got a, he's got a chance, and obviously uh, at good odds as well. He's the leading scorer of the league. He's an excitement machine. We talked about Earl Blankens and how strong he was. I talked to Joey Wright after the game up here, and his guards were like, Trimble is the toughest guy to guard in the league with his body control at the rim. Like, the amount of contact that he can take until finish is incredible. Um, and he's been able to show he can get to the rim and finish. He's been able to show us he's got three-point range. And luckily for Can, he's been probably one of the sole reasons that people have shown up every week because he is must-be TV. You pay to watch him play every day of the week on the offensive end. And I know, I still think he's got a, he's got a chance the real interesting one for me is I think Lamar Patterson's at thirty-four dollars. Wow! Like I know, I know he's he came in late, but that guy was the best player on the court pretty much every time he stepped on it. Well, the way with uh, the voting works, at least fifteen games. The way the voting so, works now, how we've got it's chosen by the coaches. Someone could have came in last game and technically still win it. So that's a massive one for punters to know if Lamar Patterson, because some people still look at it as if it's the old system where it's game-by-game votes, but it's not. It's chosen by the coaches and the captains. So I think Lamar Patterson... What's what's Bogut paying? Bogut's... It's about $4, yeah. What's what's, um, where at? $4. And cotton? $3.40 now, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. Look, it's, it's, it's the closest race we've had in a long time. Yes, yes, that's a fact. I think after this round, you'll you'll pretty much, well, yeah, after this round. This, this is round a massive, this is a massive, but the weird thing is for me where it's not, because it's chosen by the coaches and the captains, like if Chris Goulding was having the best season in the league's history, I still don't think that the other captains from teams and coaches, just because, you know, he, he gets under the skin of other guys that would choose him. And I hope that none of that comes into it. But then again, you've also got guys like nobody hates Casper. Nobody hates Bogut. Cotton doesn't rub anyone the wrong way, apart from maybe Corey sometimes. <laughs> but there's it, it's going to be a fair vote. And there's really, it's very hard to split those three. Okay, as a coach, think- you're not going to vote against your guy? You can't vote for your own Oh, you player. can't vote yeah. for your own Otherwise, player. you just end up with a single vote for every player. Yeah. So, okay. Some guys aren't going to vote for the other team's main guy because they want That's their... the thing. Oh, man. I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's, it, it is, there's, there's flaws in the voting system when it's like that, but there's flaws in any voting any system voting you're going to have. I'm still a fan of the old school votes per game. What about you, Wertho? Do you, uh, do you prefer the media? The uh, What would you prefer? Here, we'll give you three options. Wertho, you jump in this first. The media gets to choose. The fans get to all four options. The media, the fans, the coaches and captains, or game-by-game votes from the refs. I'd like to see it from the media perspective. I think they're one, the, the one consistent that watches the games 
in and out majority of the game. Yeah. Um, I, I think you'd have to spread it across the board as about five or six. I think between media or a certain personality that is across the league very well, that has good basketball knowledge, um, and then do a 3-2-1 system from each and tally the votes. I think you can't go wrong with that. Uh, game by game, I'm not opposed to... I don't like the captains and co- uh, coaches call just purely off what you guys have just said. And I think we should just stick with the fans, MVP, which they've done, which has been great. But for me, I think the media is the unbiased one out of all of it that would give the best opinion because I don't trust referees as well. I think they're full of shit and they've got agendas as well. So I maybe the game by game. If, if they got a, an agenda or a hatred to someone, they, they're not going to vote. So give it to the media who would be the most unbiased out of everyone. No, I definitely agree with you on that one. Now, moving into the finals. There's still one spot that's up for grabs. So three clinched, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, all clinched. If they had lost some games last weekend, then this would have been a very, very, very interesting round. But we've still got a spot up for grabs. And it looks like it's going to come down. Illawarra is still in there with his shot, but it looks like it's going to come down to Adelaide or Brisbane. We'll start off with you here, though. you got Adelaide or Brisbane. Well, all the easy money would say to Brisbane, but I'm going to go Adelaide. Oh, I'm a um, man for the easy money. Yeah. I, I mean, Bris- Brisbane's got Illawarra, Cairns, New Zealand to finish off their schedule. Uh, Adelaide has got Melbourne at home. Uh, and then another single game, which is tough next week. But I think the game that is the danger game for Brisbane is against Cairns this week uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Cairns are two and one against Brisbane this season. And two, Alex Loudon announced his retirement. Oh, yeah. And so these sentimental send-off games don't typically go to script. No, and it... for a team, for a team <laughs> that is, there's one team playing for playoffs, and there's another one because you, you guys would know the Cairns crowd is very passionate, and they're very loud and they're very vocal. They're going to see off a guy that has been the captain of their club, that is probably the biggest personality in Cairns, uh, who should have his jersey hung up in the rafters the first game next season because they don't really do that very much in Cairns. Well, this, I agree. Is be an emo- this is going to be an emotional game and I don't think Brisbane, Brisbane will come in again thinking that they've got this one sewn up and I, I don't think it will go to script. Well, they often say that the hardest person to fight against is someone who's not afraid to die. And that might seem a little tad aggressive for a basketball game, but that's kind of what it's like coming up against Cairns at the end of the year. They've got nothing to lose. They're just playing for their guy in Alex Loughton. So that is a massive danger game. It's a danger game for anyone coming up against Cairns towards the end of the year, as we've already seen with him getting this many wins. Homicide, you're looking at the roof over there, pondering Adelaide or Brisbane? I say Brisbane gets in. They have the easiest schedule out of all three teams, and I think they'll get in. Don't let those back-to-back losses from Sydney fool you. They're still a very good team. Well, that's a tough thing. They're back-to-back losses against Sydney are a little bit different to back-to-back losses against an Illawarra Anybody or else, in, in those exactly. regards. Yeah. Now, the they dangerous thing is... back-to-back losses against Cairns. They lost the first two games against Cairns. Wasn't back-to-back. They still lost two games. From you, 
They lost two games versus Cairns. Cairns is a good team. As I said, it's tough <laughs> to fight against someone who is not afraid to die. Tell it again. Cairns right hard. now is Cairns right now is ending this season like Bruce Willis from Die Hard. Going all out, baby. They're just not going we're, down. We're, we're talking about Cairns being all out. What has Illawarra got to lose going up to Brisbane as well? That starts off the round. Well, they've still got the hope. Uh, See, there's still hope. So in, 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 in essence, they still fear death. And we are getting way, yeah, way, way too deep on this. But they still have that hope. So there's still, still a little bit anxious. There's, there's still something to hang on to. Cairns are just dead and gone. But it's a ghost. You're playing against the ghost. We, we know. We all know that Illawarra is the Jekyll and Hyde of the competition. That I is know true. I'm using that phrase again, and you've looked it up, and I'm glad for you, mate. <laughs> but they, like, if Illawarra come out and play their best basketball, they beat Brisbane too. No, they don't. And all of a sudden... No, they don't. Their best basketball, their best basketball beats Brisbane. No, they That's don't. They not- can't shoot from the perimeter. Their backcourt still can't shoot. You don't think Lamanis knows this? Zone them. Zone that backcourt. I, I, I don't I don't know if you've watched many of their games this year, mate, but Jordan Jett is shooting the ball well. I know I know we got shit canned a whole lot at the start of the season. He's shooting the ball well. Todd Blanchfield is shooting the ball well. Stay with Blanchfield. is shooting the ball well. Stay with him. Tim Conrad is shooting the ball well. These they all play the guys. same position. Just play hard on their side. Deny them. Leave Jordan Jett. He's not beating you in four, for four quarters from the three. I'm living with him, and I'm living him with, with Seth Jackson, trying to post you up from the three-point line and back you down. So you're saying that Illawarra's best basketball can't beat Brisbane? Nope. Say no to drugs, kids. Say no to drugs. <laughs> this is bad. Okay. Okay. This is because Illawarra's best basketball has proven that they can beat every single team in the competition. They've beaten everyone. Yeah, okay. I'm going to sleep. The best here. basketball beats Brisbane. Let's put him on mute. I'm not let's, saying let's that mute they're him. going to beat mute, Brisbane. I don't want to mute this. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're going to beat Brisbane, but their best basketball <laughs> is capable of beating Brisbane. Anybody's best basketball is capable of beating Brisbane. And so we shouldn't overlook it. That's what I'm saying. No, I, I agree with you, whether I do, we definitely down. shouldn't overlook it. Definitely shouldn't overlook it. I'm overlooking it because I know that Brisbane is going to get the fourth spot. We will revisit this next week, and we're going to hear you continue to talk about Illawarra's best basketball. Stay, Mate, you say no to drugs. I just, bring out, I just try and bring out the best in people. That's all I do. Okay. So jumping over, that's about enough NBL action before you start <laughs> jumping down the lines on each other. Now, James Harden, we spoke about the Anthony Davis trade, and there's still a bit to go with that, so I don't really want to touch on that too much because it looks like he's going to head to LA. There's a bit going on there, but James Harden. Now, this Anthony Davis stuff, he's continued his 30-point streak. I believe it's up to 27 games. Am I right? 27 games? Somewhere around that mark. And I want to hear some stuff from when you guys have played because you had a wealth of experience playing all over the world, and especially in some leagues like, I know, Corey, before we jumped on air, talking about playing in Lebanon. Now, places like that, you get some dudes where they're just like, I want a guy to just get some serious buckets. It's like what happens in China. These dudes average like 70 points in China. Some of these NBA guys that go over. What's the wildest scoring streak? Or just the wildest scoring game you've been involved in? It doesn't have to be you scoring the points. But just the wildest scoring game you've been involved in. The wildest scoring game I've seen was the... Dubai Invitational Tournament. (laughs) Oh, that just sounds like a bucket So it is... All teams from the Gulf, the Middle East, yeah, yeah. top teams come over. 
there was a game, Riyadi versus Suggest. These are the top two teams in Lebanon. Shout out to Hametman. Now they are on top as well. But those are usually the top two, three teams. Yeah. One team had a guy named Jamar Young. Okay? Riyadi had him. And Suggest had Terrell very class, Very classic Middle Eastern name, Jamal Young. Jamal Young, yeah, right? Very, very local. And from Baltimore. <laughs> and Terrell Stoglin, ex-Maryland, and is from Arizona, right? In the championship, one player had 55. The other player had 60. Who won the 55? Double overtime. Oh, God. Double overtime. And um, Riyadi ended up winning. The guy that had 55. Oh, Unbelievable scoring. Unbelievable scoring. Both of those guys were legit scorers. Like, oh, there's some legit just dudes oh, that can just flat just out score the ball over. Flat out places. get a bucket. Were they? Uh, I wasn't a part of this one, but uh, I got shown a highlight video uh, from the Chinese League, and Brian Gordon was the coach of the team. And... Um, their team was sitting in fourth place and they were playing against the top team in the league in China. Um, and the owner came in and said, if you win this game, you get triple bonus. And um, a bonus, one bonus is $20,000. And that's you cash win. straight out of a bag usually. They cash. walk around that locker room with a bag of cash and say, this is yours, yep. this is yours, this is yours, no tax. So, so he went up to the one import, triple cash. He went up to the other import, triple bonus. Uh, went up to Gordon, triple bonus. And so uh, the import was uh, Bobby Brown. You know, Bobby oh, I've Brown heard, yeah, no, I've the... actually heard Brian Gordon. I've spoken to Brian Gordon about Bobby Brown before. Yeah. So Bobby Brown, he ended up making it with Houston Rockets. Um, his wife actually won the lotto in the US. Can you believe that? How this much? He's making millions already. I've got no idea. But he was late to then back to China one year. Uh, by like a month because his wife has just won the lotto. Anyway, <laughs> he told, tell that to the coach. He told, he told Gordon to, yeah, he told Gordon to put the local players in the corner and not to come out of the corner. So there were two <laughs> guys standing in one corner, one guy standing in the other corner, and these guys played a pick and roll the entire game. Bobby Brown had seventy three, and the other guy had forty five, and they beat the top place team in the league. That's how it works over there. And it's so wild. Like, you look at countries like, you know, there's leagues like Europe, America with the NBA, Australia with the NBL. But then some of the shit that happens overseas in the Middle East countries and in China, China especially. Like, I've heard some stories of J.R. Smith from Brian Gorgian of when J.R. Smith was playing in China. Like, he brought his whole entourage over staying in the top floor of some hotel. If he didn't rock up to a practice or if he messed up some team rules, it was like a, some, some dollar amount of a fine. By the end of his playing career, he owed the money from all his fines. <laughs> he literally owed the team money from the amount of fines that he got from whether it was missing practice. He didn't even live in the city that the the team was in. He lived in Shanghai and flew every morning to get to the practice facility. A lot of those conditions over there are just really bad. Especially well, that's the thing, and China, you don't want to, you don't want to be staying there. in yeah. China, and you're talking about an A grade NBA player who's used to. Five star living. Yeah. So you can't expect him to completely abide by all your rules. He's like, listen, man, I'm just here to work out till the NBA kicks back in. Basically, I'm going to fly in, I'm going to yeah. play this game, and I'm out. There is no way in hell I'm staying in this shit town. That's basically what his mindset is. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it's J.R. Smith. So it's going to be extra. <laughs> 
Oh, so, 100%. And there, yeah. were, there were some stories to go on there that can't be mentioned even on a gambling podcast. But <laughs> now we've all gone, like you would have done China, trips to China for those like one-off tournaments. And were though you would have done it with the, like I did it with the Australian I juniors. played in China years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I, it was horrible. But, you know, they're going to pay you some decent money. They pay decent you know money. Like, but it's just the, the places that you go for some of these things. Like I remember I would go on these trips, you know, with the Australian to the under-19s, the under-17s, and were though you would have done it as well. But you'd go to these like little village areas where they're trying to like promote basketball and it would just be mayhem. May- like you'd be letting off fireworks. Like I remember we ran around once with BB guns. We'd just run around like it's a it's a video game map shooting each other with BB guns on the street. Like it's just this, and all the people in the village are just like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> just it's, cheering it it's on. It's like really, it's, really different, man. It's so different. It is so different. And that's one of the cool parts about basketball is that you travel around to all these sort of places and you guys have definitely been all around the world. What was... What was one of the weirdest stories out of when you played in Serbia, were there? Uh, there wasn't too many weird ones in Serbia. Uh, obviously, Puerto Rico is probably the, the weirdest one for me. Um, I'd, I'd started with a team called Guanabo, uh, which was near the, the capital city. Uh, and then I got cut because um, my skin color was too white. Uh, <laughs> was, my, was the reason I got cut. Uh, is that what, that's what they told you? What, can we get your stats from that point as well, or is that what they were telling you? No, no, I was still I was playing decent basketball <laughs> for him, um, but the owner wanted someone who would dunk more, and <laughs> uh, he said I wasn't athletic enough, and a white guy doesn't bring people into the game. So that's the reason I got fired, and I got picked up by another team uh, on the other side of the island called Cabradias. Now, uh, Kevin Lish. Uh, CJ Bruton, Sean Reddish are all played for Cabradiers. Um, so I went over there and the uh, the owner of the team uh, owned a bakery. That's the only thing he owned was a bakery and it was just a storefront. You couldn't actually walk into the bakery. <laughs> it was just a storefront. Um, and I think he was uh, selling probably uh, sugar-frosted buns without the bun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think so. And there was, it was always weird. There was always a whole bunch of sugar frosting lying around that office, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, so that, that was probably the weirdest thing for me was being an owner that owned a little bakery that had all this money. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might, yeah, I, th- I think there might have even been a couple more layers to his story. But anyway, unfortunately, that is all we've got time for this week for Trash Talk. Make sure you tune into the games this weekend because they are going to be math- massive, especially that Friday night, Sydney versus Melbourne, as we approach the finals, which we all have been waiting a long, long time for. If you want to jump on Twitter, tweet out at Corey Homicide Williams. I know he probably tweet you back. He gets pretty active on there. And at Wertho33. Give us some opinions or anything you want us to talk about next week. But anyway, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week.